When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Red Sox Precap Podcast, your podcast from Over the Monster Podcast Network, where you recap the series that just ended, preview the series that's about to start for your Boston Red Sox. I'm your host, Keaton DeRocha, joined, as always, by Bailey Von Schneider. Bailey, uh, four-game series with Kansas City uh, didn't quite end well for the Red Sox. That's that's you being very kind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a frustrating end. Uh, all four games, let's let's dive on in mm-hmm. on this big series here. Game one, pitching matchups, Nick Pavetta versus Chris Bubik. Red Sox take the loss 7-3. to three. Pavetta went five innings, allowed three runs, all earned, on seven hits, one walk, and five strikeouts. Matt Barnes made his return, followed a nice clean inning. And then Darwin's and Hernandez finished it off the last two innings and allowed four runs in the seventh. Uh, on the offensive side, Christian Royal had two hits, Ploiecki had two hits, and Devers added two RBIs. Um, going back to the pitching, though, thoughts on Pavetta's start? Uh, it's not that bad, especially considering what we've gotten from him lately. He went five, three earned. I mean, that's that's enough if you have a competent bullpen to hopefully, you know, he put you in a, a position to win of the game. Seven hits was a lot. He didn't. He only walked one, so that's encouraging. Five Ks. So I'd say, again, if we go in knowing that Nick Pavetta is your fifth starter, and this is the kind of outing you get from your fifth starter every fifth day, I mean, I would be tickled pink. But it's just given the flashes of him having true brilliance this season, and then the, you know, the barrage of injuries and things like that, you're being pushed more forward into this rotation. You're not settling in for your fifth. Uh, it looks worse than it actually is, but I couldn't really ask for more, really, given how he's been pitching. So I think this is more on the encouraging side. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I felt the exact same way. This kind of felt like a step forward, especially the one walk in 5Ks. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't allowed one or less walks since June 24th. Uh, which feels like forever ago, um, and so that to find to see him actually kind of like get his control back, that felt good. And then five strikeouts and in five innings, pretty positive. Still was kind of getting hit around, 
a bit, but this definitely seemed like a step forward. And, uh, you know, like you said, for a guy that you're expected to be your first starter, five innings pitched, three runs, this line, mm-hmm. pretty respectable for what the role that you're hoping that he, he's going to play. So, yeah. Uh, and it's definitely based off of the most recent results, it seemed like a step forward. So I felt good about that. Um, to mention the bullpen, though, um, so this, since the trade deadline, um, the Red Sox bullpen has been shaking up a bit. We got Diekman out. Darwin's and Hernandez and Matt Barnes are back. Um, this kind of feels like our weekly bullpen check-in. Um, but uh, at least this time we're not going to talk about the back end for now. But with that kind of shake-up around the middle relief innings, um, what do you think the roles should be? And, um, you know, we saw Matt Barnes again for an inning later in this series. Um, no walks, no strikeouts yet through his two innings, but mm-hmm. doesn't look all that bad. Um, how do we think Barnes and Darwinson and I guess the other kind of hodgepodge of middle relievers guys here should be used? <sighs> yeah, I think they need to stay the heck away from Darwin's and Hernandez because I do not <laughs> know what is going on with him. I thought, you know, two seasons ago, like you potentially have somebody that's going to be an elite piece for you in the bullpen. And I don't know if they were screwing with him a little too much because I know when he was down in the minors, they were like starting him again. So again, these things can mess around with these guys' heads if they don't really know what they're going to be used as. And clearly control is a major issue. I mean, we saw him walk the bases loaded in this series. It's it's bad. And I don't know how it can be fixed to a point because maybe this is just who he is and then that doesn't make you a serviceable major leaguer in the slightest, no matter how electric your fastball might be if you have absolutely no control with it. But Barnes, I love seeing Barnes come back and actually be pitching well because it's not as if like, He's out here, like, stealing the Red Sox money, saying, like, ooh, look at this, I I completely swindled you all. Like, no, he clearly wants to be out there, and he wants to pitch well. We saw how elite he can be. I think if he's utilized properly, which means not overworking him, because he was extremely overworked in 2021, and we saw that fatigue take over into the back half of 2021, into 2022. Like, you know, he had to go on the IL and be gone for... God, months at this point. So now we're maybe seeing him back, getting a better control over his pitches, and we can utilize him better. Because, like, if you have a healthy Matt Barnes, like, this bullpen can be way better than it is. But I just feel like at times, Cora doesn't really know what the heck he's doing with the bullpen. And that's really what frustrates me with him most, you know, when it comes to things. Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, Matt Barnes, he hasn't allowed um, any walks or any strikeouts yet, but also hasn't allowed any hits. So it's really kind of just been um, effective pitching to con- contact so far in just two appearances and mm-hmm. in two-thirds. Uh, but it's nice to just see him come back and just not get wrecked. Because <laughs> he yes. was so bad in the yeah. beginning of the season. So it's yeah. nice to, even if it's just a couple outings, to see him just get his confidence back pitching to major league hitters and getting them out and just kind of building that up. So as long as that continues... I would love to see him be a bridge to the guys at the back end because um, I think that could go a long way just given the shape of this bullpen. That could go a long way to, you know, <laughs> trying trying to help secure wins. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the bullpen is vital, especially when your, your pitchers, like they average five innings now. And I hate it. I really do. I hate it. Uh, if you're paying $30 million to someone – why is he pitching five innings? Like, I'm sorry, there should be at least seven. Like, to me, now when you see them go seven, you're like, 
wow, amazing. We shouldn't be saying, wow, amazing for seven. We should be saying, wow, cool, because you went a full nine or something. I don't know. I miss the days of guys going seven. That can be my old, you know, the the old lady in me. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I truly miss those days because then we're relying so heavily on these bullpens. And truly, the bullpen has been the biggest Achilles heel for, for Haim. I believe, uh, you know, being a, a big fan of High and Bloom and what he's doing and my belief in what he's going to do for this organization, I will fully admit where there are problems and a major problem is this bullpen. And the fact is that he still didn't do anything to help the bullpen because, you know, he came out and said, we're still trying to make the postseason, but it doesn't really look that way when you trade your starting catcher and then you, but you do upgrade in a certain area. You definitely upgraded at first base. You, you definitely figured that out and you could even say, okay, we replaced the offense we would get from, uh, you know, Vasquez with replacing that with um, getting, uh, oh my God, why am I blanking? Hosmer so fam. Uh, yes, yeah, getting Hosmer fam. Like, that can replace that, and then you're having a really good defensive catcher with McGuire. So you're, you're saying, like, oh, okay, I'm doing that, but then you didn't address the pen at all. Like, had you gone and addressed the pen or the pitching a little bit, I would have said, oh, no, I understand where you're going from with this because I can get on board with all those offensive moves, but I can't really get fully on board with it because I don't really know what you're doing from a pitching standpoint by telling us, yeah, we want to go for it, but then doing absolutely nothing to bolster any bit of the pitching rotation or uh bullpen alike yeah those were the two biggest holes coming into the trade deadline for Mm -hmm. me i mean the offense the bottom of the order has been really hit or miss at times but we knew that coming into it Mm -hmm. we knew that the the top six were really really good Mm -hmm. uh and then coming out of the trade deadline the offense was still really good the bullpen and starting pitching was trash still, which was really frustrating. And we're still seeing that with uh, how the the last couple games in this series ended. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the game two actually went pretty well for the Red Sox. You know, we had Josh Winkowski against the veteran Zach Greinke. Uh, The Red Sox did go on to win seven to four. Uh, Winkowski, he's been really impressing, you know, especially since we're asking a lot from you know, these AAA guys really to step up into these roles. You know, he, five innings pitch, five hits, one earned run, two walks, four Ks. I mean, you can't really ask for more than that. And then Brazier and Sawamora then followed with some clean innings. And then Austin Davis came in and he was credited with three runs in a third of an inning. Uh, then Shriver, because Shriver came in and then he allowed the two inherited runners to score before finishing off the final inning in two thirds. So, you know, that's why those runs did come through. Uh, but the offense had a really great day for themselves. Four hit day for Bogarts, three for Rodugo, two hits for Yulmer Sanchez, uh, two RBI for Duran and JD Martinez. Uh, so like, that's, that's pretty good. The offense had a really good Good day for themselves, but I'm wondering what were your thoughts on how Winkowski went uh, against the Royals? Yeah, this is another great Winkowski start. Uh, five innings, uh, one run, run uh, got himself into a couple of jams and was able to work out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the two walks, five hits, was allowing guys on base, but was able to really really minimize the damage. Uh, and it was just another really great outing to keep his streak of really great outings going. Uh, and really kind of separating separating himself in the uh the trustometer here in the 
starting rotation. It just continues to be a guy that when he goes out there, you know you're going to get a good outing from him, which um, I really hope continues because it feels like you're playing with fire. Yes. Uh, especially if you look at, you know, if you d- dig deeper into Josh Winkowski, he doesn't really have big swing and miss stuff. If you look at his Savant page, there's a lot of blue there. So it looks like as if he- he's getting lucky in certain things. But, I mean, I don't know. If he's just going out there and he's being a serviceable major leaguer, I don't really know what more we could ask from him. Like, it, it is difficult, especially, you know, we were hoping to see a lot more of Brian Bayo, and then, of course, he has an injury because, of course, that's the way this season goes. But um, yep. on to a little – I want to talk a little bit about the catching. So now we have, like, the tandem of Ploiecki and Maguire. So Ploiecki did games one and three. Uh, Maguire had two and four. Um, how do you think the catchers should be splitting their time? I'm kind of okay with that 50-50 split. I don't think either of these guys are really the answer long-term. No. So I'm not terribly concerned with how they end up getting split. I mean, Plucky is, um, I think it's, it's, we're all under the assumption he's gone after this year anyway. Uh, McGuire obviously will be around, but I don't think he's going to be your starter. Um, like you said, he's good defensively, so um, a fine backup role there but not a guy that you're expecting to roll out there every day so um fine with him playing like 50 percent of the time getting used to the red sox starting pitchers yeah um and relief pitchers and just kind of uh getting a feel for how these guys are throwing um but not expecting him to get a whole bunch of the shares because i I don't think that's going to be his role going forward so I would expect probably similar to that, pretty much 50-50. Whether it is literally every other game, not sure, but I'd expect it probably shakes out 50-50. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree for sure, because I actually like McGuire as a defensive catcher. He's really good behind the plate. In, you know, my fantasy uh, world is that this offseason is digging deep and going right over to the Oakland Athletics and saying, what is it going to take to get Sean Murphy? And then Sean Murphy is your starting catcher for the 2023 Boston Red Sox. And then you have Maurice McGuire as a really solid defensive backup. And, like, that works for the Red Sox because Sandy Leone was perfect at that. He was the perfect defensive backup catcher. And I like having that type of person behind it. Like, as much as I love Plawek, he seems like a great guy. I'm pretty sure I have a better arm than he does. Like, he just <laughs> cannot throw to second base, and it's unfortunate. Whereas, like, McGuire has the arm strength. McGuire calls a really good game. So I love the idea of, like, Reese McGuire going forward as the backup catcher for the Red Sox, especially if you go out and you get me Sean Murphy or, you know, somebody that's a really solid, uh, you know, starter to go out there. Yeah, there's an interesting free agent class mm-hmm. coming up as well. So I think there's a long-term solution out there that can be figured out in the off season. That's not either one of these guys. So I would expect something to look different. Yeah. I I would not expect either of these two people to be the opening day catcher for, you know, the 2023 Boston Red Sox in the slice. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Game three, Nathan Evaldi versus Daniel Lynch. Red Sox took the loss five, four in uh, yet another walk-off fashion. Uh, They're eighth of the year. Leading the majors. That is so many walk-offs. Uh, Nathan Evaldi, six innings pitch, seven hits, four runs, all earned, one walk, 
seven strikeouts. Whitlock followed for two and two thirds before giving up the walk off in the ninth to Nick Prado. Uh, three hit day for Arroyo, two hits for Verdugo. Dahlbach also added a three run dinger. Um, before we get into all of that, uh, what were your thoughts on Evaldi's start? Man, Evaldi has been pretty up and down like the last month plus, I would say. I mean, since coming back, you know, from his, you know, IL stint, this is what maybe his third or fourth start out there. And it's it's been pretty yeah. up and down. I mean, like, I don't know. You have a great start against, the, like, the Houston Astros. And, like, that is an elite offense. And then you go against, like, the people that joke about this is, like, a Little League team, and you give up four earned runs to them. Again, he went six innings. And it was four earned run. It was clearly, uh, it kept them in the game. So I can't get mad at that. And I also can't get mad that, like, this is a number two starter. But then I just don't really, a number two or a number three, really. And we're, again, pushing you to be, like, ace level. And I guess, for the most part, he was ace level in 2021. I mean, he finished third in the Cy Young voting. He is a very solid pitcher. But, again, there's a little bit of confusion on the idea of, like, being buyer-sellers, especially with Nathan Ovaldi, Was it just you didn't get the package that you wanted for him, so you didn't trade him? Or is this more of a, I want you in the future here, so we're going to figure out something for the fact is that we'll slide you into a three because we're going to really revamp uh, this rotation and this bullpen, but we want you to be a part of our future. So I don't really know if it was just an issue of like, oh, we didn't really have the packaging that we wanted to trade Nathan Ovaldi, so... I don't know that like things like that frustrate me, but I mean, I think it was a serviceable start. I mean, he went six innings, uh, kept you in the game. Yeah. How concerned are you with the velocity drop? He's been topping out at like 93. You think he's still hurt? I don't know. That's so tough when this is a guy that could pump a hundred. Yeah, no, for sure. It definitely is. And like that could be factoring very much into this. So yeah, he could still be hurt. So my question is if this is somebody that you want to invest in. I think I think this is somebody that you could get on a deal that you want. Like, I think you could go to Nathan Avaldi and say, we care about you here. We want you here. I think he likes it here. We're talking about the captain of the Jimmy Fund, things like this. So I think you could, we could get him at his price. But I think it potentially could be he could be pitching hurt, and we need to have him take the offseason to get himself healthy. Yeah. Um, on to that walk-off, though. Uh, was turning to Garrett Whitlock to try and get a third inning the right move when you had Tanner Houck there who hadn't pitched in four days? Yep, this is, again, my frustrations with how Alex Cora manages a bullpen. I think it has always been his biggest downfall, and I don't understand what he does. I don't understand why he isn't giving roles really out to these people. And I'm still overall still frustrated with what we're doing with Garrett Whitlock because I think, yes, I understand putting him back into the uh, bullpen after his injury. I fully, but I think this should be, okay, you look at him and you say, you're closing or you're our eighth inning guy. I don't like the idea of like stretching him out kind of, but then I I don't like it because my thing is like, he should be in the bullpen and know his role right now. And then this off season, you look at him and you say you are starting and you need to prepare the entire off season to start. Cause I think he needs to be a starter in 2023 and know this from the jump so he can prepare. Yeah. The frustrating thing about this is your, so they've been doing this since he came back. 
if he pitches two innings, they give him two days off. The three innings, yeah. they give him three days off. He's now unavailable for the series against the Braves. Yep. So, um, like, <laughs> what, are we what doing? is the point of doing this? Yeah. I don't understand. Well, you should be able to use your best pitchers when they are available. You should I be able to use agree. Whitlock in back-to-back nights to get wins when you need him. Mm-hmm. And, I like, sticking to this now, he's completely out for a series against a pretty tough team. And you're without your best pitcher in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. That it's it's a really really dumb strategy. Yeah, I agree, a hundred percent. It's so frustrating. I don't know what they think they're doing. I don't know how they think this is preserving his like his arm. I don't know, or if it's just keeping him multiple innings so he sort of gets a feel for you know being stretched out. I truly don't know, and it is absolutely frustrating. But it doesn't make any sense. Like if you if you're going to keep him in the bullpen. Why are you trying to keep him like semi stretched out? Yeah, he's gonna have the entire off season to build up to stretch to be stretched out to start next year. Yep. What is the point? Trying to win games now? Yeah, I I don't get it. I'm a loss for words entirely. Drive me nuts. uh, Yeah, same. I agree. And then to drive us more nuts, uh, the final game. Holy hell. <laughs> so we had Crawford versus Keller, and the Red Sox took a 13-5 to loss. Uh, Cutter Crawford, who has been pitching well, didn't really have his best game against, again, a feeble offense. So I don't know why these guys are going out and pitching well against really good guys, and then the feeble offenses are getting to them. So he had five innings pitched, five hits, five earned runs. He walked two, and he struck out four. Uh, then Brazier followed for an inning, Schreiber for a third of an inning, allowing two runs, Barnes for two-thirds of an inning. Darwinson, who walked the bases loaded, uh, allowed five runs, didn't record an out, and then Davis had to come in and finish it off while then also allowing a run. Uh, so it was just bad for the uh, pitching altogether. Um, and then uh, the offense, we had two hits from Pham, one of which was a three-run homer, and two fits for McGuire. Uh, Devers also added with a solo blast. Uh, so these guys that they're bringing in have actually been pretty good. McGuire's been good for them. Tommy Pham has been good for them. Hosmer's been good for them. It's just... Everything else is just sort of like these things. We'll have these highs, and the, our lows are just so low. Um, and it never ha- – nothing good ever happens at the same time, it seems. And uh, going to that, you know, Crawford then having, you know, not a great start. So what were your thoughts about uh, Cutter Crawford in this game? Yeah. I mean, with the exception of the, the three-run home run that he gave up to Melendez right at the end, um, he had been looking pretty good. And he had been keeping the Red Sox in it. Um, that fifth inning is where he started to then run into with some trouble um, with a couple hits, a couple walks, yeah. um, and the home run, obviously, which really kind of started to to put things out of reach and mm-hmm. start the start the spiral. But the Red Sox offense was able to kind of kind of claw, claw their way back into it before the the, <laughs> the disaster of the seventh and the eighth inning. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it obviously, it, it could have been better, but really that the three run home run really, really killed them. Yeah. And that, um, made the, the line look a, a lot, a lot worse, worse yeah. but True. so I, I don't, I mean, yeah, really with the exception of that, he'd been pitching all right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, his, his past starts had been really, really good. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's easier to write that off as like a, yeah. 
good hitter got him at, yeah. at a tough spot. Um, uh, and obviously then it gets buried by everything else that happened. So it's kind of like, well, it didn't really matter anyway. <laughs> yeah. And including some horrendous defense. Like we cannot yeah. have our Lord and Savior Kike Hernandez come back any quicker because uh, Duran had himself a bad day on defense. And that's putting it nicely. And of course they asked Cora uh, and he said that they're going to be sticking with him as the center fielder pretty much until Kike comes back. I mean, this guy, like, that was a, a routine fly ball that, like, he just could not get to. And uh, he makes Alex Verdugo look like uh, Kevin Kiermeyer out there. Uh, like, that's how bad this defense is. Um, what is your confidence level, like, with Duran for the rest of 2022 and then the future of him on this team? Yeah, I mean, it's I don't have a lot of confidence in him defensively. Um, I feel like offensively, I have a lot more confidence in him. But I mean, he's got to be able to earn the at bats by playing yeah. competent defense somewhere. It's just certainly not center. That's yeah. that's the thing, and I hesitate to think that he'd be any better in the corners. Um, it just seems, especially in Fenway Park. Like I'd like right field's not going to be it. That's not a great place for him. No God. Left field would be the easiest mm -hmm. because you can you can teach him how to use the wall as and just kind of like have him do like a Manny play shallow thing and use your speed going back. But the thing is, he's so bad going back. That's his positioning is awful. Yeah. Uh, I just I just I don't have faith in him being able to figure out any outfield position, and I just. It, I feel like the only reason they're sticking with him now is because they really don't have any other option. No, there's and really none. I I understand wanting to him to give him the at bats because at every other stage of the minor leagues, when given the at bats, he's figured out how to hit, and so maybe he can kind of compensate for some of that poor defense by uh, getting the at bats, seeing the major league pitching, and hitting it. But I have to imagine his confidence is just in the toilet right now, and that's that's kind of seeping into everything. And yeah, I just, I don't think his place right now should be at the major league level. I agree completely. And I do say that supposedly he said that the reason he had to be like held back by Verdugo was that fans were throwing shit at him. And can we, can we not do that? Like that is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Like any fandom, like you should not be throwing things at players like that is completely unacceptable so i, I understand getting upset at that but uh, you understand the, the fan base shouldn't be doing that but the fan base has a right to be upset with how bad his defense is doesn't mean you lash out by physically throwing things at him absolutely not but like if you razz him yeah razz him like this is some of the worst defense i've ever seen <laughs> yeah that's pretty bad like and i don't know and it's like you could say Usually you say, oh, your best, you know, like the reason they threw him out there is because, you know, he's a second baseman by trade, but he, you're like, oh, he's so fast. We can just throw him in the outfield. I mean, that works with Mookie Betts, but Mookie Betts' baseball IQ is just on a, a different level than Jaron yeah. Duran's probably ever will be. Um, same with Jackie Bradley Jr. when it comes to a defensive standpoint, like the, the baseball IQ is just incredible. Uh, so you could throw guys out there and they're going to become cold glovers. But, uh, you know, Jaron Duran doesn't seem to be one of those people. 
and clearly there's really no space for him at second base, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. Honestly, until Trevor Story comes back, I'd be interested to see if he can play it. Yeah, what's the last time he's been doing it? Like, I don't know. Toss him out there. It can't be worse than what he's like in center field. Yeah, if you want to get some kind of trade value back for him, show him that he can actually play some kind of confident defense somewhere on the diamond. Yeah, I just really don't see him as a future Or he could be that weird speed first DH. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know what his place is on the future of this team, especially if the Red Sox, well, they will have the money, and if they want to go out and spend the money. I mean, like, somebody like David Price, they've got $18 million just there that they can spend on someone. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's that, figuring out where you want to take your team and how Jaron Duran does or doesn't fit into that team. Yep. All right. Uh, MVP of the series, who you got? <laughs> Uh, Xander had a pretty good series for himself, so uh, I gotta give the nod to X. It's uh, it's frustrating. Every everything's just so frustrating with this season. With you know, uh, I think a big part of everybody's frustrations is the power numbers are down. So that's when people get so frustrated that you know they gave away, uh, did not gave away, but they they let Kyle Schwarber go. Then they uh, traded Renfro, and you see those power numbers. But also hindsight is twenty twenty. You never thought that you know both JD Martinez and Xander Bogarts were going to have these massive power failures. Um, but outside of that, I thought Xander had a pretty good series for himself and. He's a he's a solid player, but I think he should be leading off for the Boston Red Sox. I think in no way somebody who has what under did he hit ten? Does he have exactly ten? But ten or under home runs that should not be your fourth hitter in your lineup. Yeah, good call. <laughs> I went with Verdugo. Had a couple of multi-hit games, so I thought he had a nice yeah. little series for himself. Verdugo's a good player. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for the Kansas City series. We're going to come back to a quick little preview of the short two-game series and that weird one game with the Orioles. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, you're up to the minute. Standings, Major League Baseball. Uh, American League East. Yankees still in first, 70 and 39. Nine and a half games back are the Blue Jays at 1648. 11 and a half games back in third are the Rays. 58 and 50, 13 and a half games back, 56 and 52, the Orioles, 16 and a half games back of the Yankees, the Red Sox at 54 and 56. Now playing the Braves for a, a little two-game series, and then we'll touch on the one game with the Orioles. Um, pitching matchups for the Braves, we got Hill versus Morton in Battle of the Olds, and then we got Pavetta versus Wright. What do you think? of those matchups uh i think it's looking on paper like two losses for the boston red sox (laughs) um he'll just i don't know what i really don't know what to expect morton he's he's still really solid for especially for his age i would have loved to have had morton on my team uh and then you've got pavetta who like we did say he did show flashes of 
maybe getting a little more back on track. But Wright is having a pretty good season for himself, so it's going to be tough. We're talking about, you know, the reigning, uh, you know, World Series champions. So it's it's going to be tough, very very much so. Yeah. Lineup, the Braves rolling out there. Ronald Cunha Jr. leading off. Dansby Swanson hitting second. Matt Olson hitting third. Austin Riley fourth. Eddie Rosario fifth. Travis Darno sixth. Marcel Ozuna seventh. Yeah. Michael Harris the second. Eighth. And uh, shit. Uh, Ari Idrisana. Well, that was, I butchered that one. Sorry, man. <laughs> that was rough. Uh, very good is the point. Yes. Yes, that is a very good lineup. I hate that Marcelo Suna is still playing Major League Baseball and that he gets to be on, you know, a team that's going to try to defend their title. But that's a whole other issue that I have. Uh, but, no, I mean, that's an that's an incredible team. Um, it's, it's, it's a good, I mean, what, what can we say? Even losing Freddie Freeman, they're still a damn good team. Uh, they have some pretty damn good pitching. Uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. This is going to be a tough two games. Adrianza. Adrianza. I somehow yeah. missed the Z as yeah. I was reading that. <laughs> that <laughs> threw me off. And also, Dansby Swanson is just playing out of his mind and is having, of course, that contract yeah. year. So uh, somebody's going to give him a lot of money, and let's see if he ever plays to the – because it's insane how good he is this season compared to – I was like, wow, this is somebody that went 1-1, and he's fine at baseball. But this season, he's looking like a, a damn superstar. <laughs> like, he's looking like what yeah. – He's looking like what the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks like tried to get at one one, and then traded him to, you know, um, the Atlanta Braves. But this is looking like a, a guy that went one one. It's taken him a while, and we'll see if it ever happens again. But he's gonna get paid. <laughs> yeah, he's having a great season. Yeah. Bro, uh, I guess you already gave away your prediction two uh, yes. zero to the Braves. Who you got for MVP? I'm gonna go old steady uh, Rafael Devers. Yeah, I don't think they're going to split. Just because I oh, think I the Hill-Morton one is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I, I don't have faith in the Red Sox. Uh, Wright is having a really good game, so I don't have faith in that Pavetta-Wright matchup. But I think the Hill-Morton one could be fun. And I got Bogarts as my MVP coming off, as you pointed out. Had a bunch of hits this series. Looked pretty solid. feel like you can carry that through. Um, one-off game against the Orioles. Pitching matchup <laughs> is Winkowski versus Austin Voth. Um what do you think? Sox. I think, yeah, I think the Sox can get this one. I'm going to go with this one being a uh, Sox are going to get this win. All right. Sox are currently three games back of the Orioles right now. Oh, God. Um, I feel also like the Red Sox should be able to win that one. The yeah. uh, Orioles traded away all of their good players at the trade deadline and somehow keep winning. Don't really get how that works. Also, the fact is that they were trending in – and upwards and have a striking distance of that wild card. And then you're like, nah, we're going to get rid of Trey Mancini. Like, yeah. I, I really don't know the logic behind what the Orioles are doing. Are you not seeing that you had a potential or you just don't think there was anywhere for us to go all in and we just weren't going to get there. Sure. That's fine. But like, what are we doing? Like, yep. And I feel like Winkowski versus Voth, I feel confident there. So yeah, for sure. I think they should be able to get that one. So, all right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening. Uh, we have some other great pods on this Over the Monster Podcast Network. We have the, the Red Seat that Jake and I do. We got the Minor League Pod that Bob and Shelly do. Keep your ears pinned to this uh, feed. We got a bunch of pods dropping all the time. Hopefully, you uh, 
Tell your friends about them. Uh, you can find us both at Over the Monster, where we write some stuff sometimes. You can also find me on Twitter, at Spoken Keats, or uh, at Over the Monster, running that account. Uh, Bailey, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me at Frawline89, where I tweet 99.9% baseball. But there'll be a little movies thrown in there, and just some frustrations. So <laughs> <laughs> Nice. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back later in the week to recap uh, these short couple of series and preview the series against the Yankees.